you look at that? The ship's commander isn't too kind to its own pilot. Or perhaps the commander has faith in the pilot. straight mobile suit, and the same can be said for the pilot. However, in the desert, a humanoid mobile suit can never surpass a Baku. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that I think is the best one on the internet. My name is Jeremy. I'm pretty sure that given our general lack of competition, we are the best on the internet. I'm Tyler. We're not even on the internet. My name is Zach. We will be, though, when anyone hears this. That is true, yeah. That is if anybody ever does hear this. Yeah, it's so meta, Zach. You, you don't I'm even well understand aware. how meta this is. <laughs> I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> All right, so we will be watching episode 16 of Gundam Seed today, entitled Burning Sandstorm, the start of my least favorite Gundam Seed story arc, but also still pretty good. In fact, I really like this episode, except for one thing we'll definitely be talking about. You don't like this arc? I consider this arc to be from this point until the series gets good. Um, <laughs> and you can't tell me it's not the worst arc. That that doesn't make it bad, but you can't tell me that all the other parts aren't better. The introductory arc that we just watched, maybe, the in-space stuff, but that does so much character work in so little time. I just like the general. I think the problem is lack of Atherin here in the early parts of it, and then we get into a thing where they're like, we, they did this in Gundam, we better do it here while we have the chance for a little <laughs> while. And then another clip episode, which we'll be skipping, and then the series gets good. Although this one does have a couple of kind of fun moments. Do they ever go to Jaburo? That's really what I want it's to It's Alaska. Know. Yeah. Alaska is their Jaburo. And here they are in Alaska. And by Alaska, Africa. we mean Africa. Yeah, same thing. It's got more It's a little terrain. warmer. How do you know? Have you ever been to Alaska? Yes. They have sweltering heats of up to 70 degrees. Then I must not have been in the right Alaska. <laughs> All right, so let's recall what happened last time before we do this. Kira Yamato is our main character. He's got a gun. Dumb. Uh, <laughs> he's a super smart coordinator guy. They're like Space Captain Americas. And all the people on Earth were racist against them, so they rebelled. But he ended up on the Earth side because of weird circumstances. And also all of his friends are like plain-ass Earthlings. His worst frenemy is Athrin Zala, but like I said, he's not in this series anymore for a while. <laughs> So, Which is sad, because that's my favorite ship in this show. <laughs> so instead, the main protagonist is going to be Flay Ulster. Uh, Kira's crush has gone cray-cray, broken up with her boyfriend, uh, and is seducing Kira to murder all of his coordinator colleagues. As you do. I think it's pretty clear she was already cray-cray. She was just hiding it. Kind of witnessed, witnessed by proxy her father's death, yeah. and I think that was the thing that pushed her over, really. That's worse than anything a Lovecraft protagonist ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, a winged thing. They are now on Earth, but instead of landing in Alaska, where everything is cool and it's Jaburo, they landed in Africa, which the Space Captain Americas control. And because clearly Kira can do a lot of things. Navigate is not one of them. I mean, he was like passed out at the time, right? So nope. Not when he started falling. Okay, that that's true. He's He needed to watch more Toy Story to learn how to fall with style. No, I think he fell with style. He just fell with style in the wrong place. You know, we forgot to mention the, the most important character in the show. Mulaflaga? Yes, Mulaflaga. We're about to find <laughs> evil Mulaflaga. <laughs> yes. Misunderstood Mulaflaga. Uh, yeah, I was going to say evil isn't right, really the right time, but team bad guy Mulaflaga? <laughs> Smackdown Mulaflaga? Coffee Mulaflaga. Yeah, it was oh. a coffee flaga. I forgot to talk about the Lucha Underground season finale on last time on video games. And Pentagon Jr. going into the cave and having to destroy all of his alternate universe selves because Pentagon Jr. is weak. And he came out as Pentagon Doc and broke <laughs> the arms of two people and demanded his match happen now because they were bad at wrestling and he didn't like it. <laughs> so awesome. It's so good. Did you actually get to watch the fight with his alternate dimension selves? Yeah, you get, it's Do like, they all have different costumes? It's in costumes? the super dark cave and there's lots of like flashing. Yeah, one of them is just Vampiro, his mentor, dressed up as Pentagon Jr., <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, that's great. I really need to watch this yeah, show. Everyone needs to watch Lucha Underground. After they watch episode 16, Burning Sandstorms, pause the podcast, 
We'll be here when you're done. Uh, and then you can watch along with us again or just listen to us. That's probably better. Welcome back. How uh, was it? It was good. This is actually, like I said, while I don't like this arc, this is a great start. This is lots of good stuff going on here. So anything else we want to say before we begin? Do you want to wax poetic about Mu and his love triangle with Nataril and Maru that doesn't actually exist? <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. Honestly. Taril has no interest. Yeah, I would say that Mu needs a good lay, but he really doesn't, honestly. He's just like chill he, all the He's time, the least so. uptight character in this series. Exactly. <laughs> is he less uptight than Lacus? Oh, that's a yes. They got into a late back fight. Yes, in the I long term, yes, Mu is, but at this I, point, I don't know. I think Laflaga is less uptight than Lacus Klein. Like, but like Moo gets serious whenever he takes off. Lacus didn't get serious until until Rao was about to murder some people, and then she was serious for like twelve seconds. <laughs> yes, but see, even when he's semi serious, he's always on Kira's backside about doing something. That is true. He is, and he's always he's he's never actually yelling about most of it. He is do- constantly doling out the Uncle Lee advice. Uh, he is the best cool uncle in the history of fiction. Scrooge maybe could uh, give him a run for his money. Uh, Scrooge McDuck? Yes, of not... The, of not, the McDuck clan? Yeah, not from A Christmas Carol. That I, Scrooge sucks. I just realized one of the reasons that Mulaflaga is such a badass is that they didn't have to shorthand him by giving him a cigarette to make him a badass. He just kind of is. It does feel like he could just have a cigarette hidden out of his mouth, though, but he doesn't. I f- I, now I really want to see a, like him hanging out with Spike Spiegel and pretending he smokes to be as <laughs> cool, because I think that scene would be great. I, I don't think that Moo would pretend to be as cool as, as and Wolf Spike. Would. Oh, and Wolfwood, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Moo would be the one guy that's among those guys going, you know, we really don't need to do that to be cool. Yeah, honestly... Both of them are just way too high strung for Moo. <laughs> you know who else we forgot to mention? The other blonde character in the series, Kigali. Oh, yeah. A girl who was on Kira's homeworld and was like, Father, why did you betray us melodramatically? It hasn't technically <laughs> been named yet. <laughs> I only know her father's name. Oh, you mean Kigali hasn't been named yeah. yet. Yeah, Kigali hasn't actually gotten her name yet. She's yeah, been she a nameless the, girl in a hat. She was a blonde girl who was obviously important to the plot who we haven't seen in... 15 episodes. We've seen her at the beginning of every episode in yeah. the <laughs> opening sequence. But only now do we understand her true Not nearly as bad as one of the other series I've seen. Has a character appear in the opening episode, or opening crawl? Never appears in the series. What? I know. Okay, well. It, it is very strange. You know, some people, I don't understand that. Maybe they got cut from the final version for whatever reason. Probably. Or they were in the video game. Yes. <laughs> Based on Street Fighter. All right. Should we give it a go, guys? Let's do it. Uh, so we open at night. Some nice shots of the moon and you know some darkness. desert and some people looking through binoculars at the Archangel, which is the cool ship Kira and the crew are on. It's the not white base. It is not the white base. So we see Andrew Walfelt and DaCosta, who I don't think Deca- I don't think DaCosta gets named in the entire series. I don't. Think oh he does. no, he does. He does later. Oh. I don't know if he does here. Uh, Andrew Waltfelt, we learned about last episode, if we watched the HD version, which we did. We get a nice quirky introduction to him when he like reacts to something that costs like, what is it, sir? He's like, ah, oh, this coffee I blended, it's the best. I just used 5% less ingredient, and now it's awesome. <laughs> and DaCosta is like, oh my god. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Can I get a transfer? At least it wasn't Lacus Klein. So really quick, speaking of random anime caffeinated beverages, have you guys seen The Cat Returns? No. It's a Miyazaki film. It's a very Miyazaki film. Yeah, I have, uh, I've never watched it through, but I've seen lots of clips. Um, there's a scene where he's like, I blend my tea myself, so I can't guarantee the flavor. And like, so what I've learned about Miyazaki mo- movies is that the main character does absolutely, like, they're passive throughout the entire movie, and at the end, it's suddenly they have character growth. They didn't do anything to earn it, but they, they change as a person because of other stuff. They usually are just a lawn for the ride. Anyway, but it's the, I blend my own tea, so I can't guarantee the flavor. He blends his own coffee, so he can't guarantee the flavor. He just experiments. He is a coffee enthusiast. <laughs> so we see the uh, surprisingly sizable force arrayed just outside of the Archangel. Andrew Waltfeld is kind of a dick to his aid, throws him his coffee cup. Yeah, doesn't he only have one coffee cup? Uh, probably that seems like a thing he'd have. He has, like Kyler said, a pretty sizable force, and he says their objective is to test the strength of the Archangel and its mobile suit, and his snarky private guys are like, well, we're not going to destroy it. 
And he gives the cash answer of, eh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Remember, Le Creuset is kind of a cool guy. He's got a mask and he can blow it up. And he's got like four main characters in his squad. <laughs> <laughs> Not counting him. Well, like he gives the, the whole speech of, you know, they failed to destroy it and the enemy fleet sacrificed themselves to let them get down here. So there's clearly something going on with this thing. And he seems not to want his people to be stupid about figuring out what's going on. Well, I mean, let's face it. It's just full of main characters. They can possibly win. So his force is full with a new noble suit. Dumb Zoids. I mean, Bakus. Uh, <laughs> we only get a few shots of them, but they're Zoids. I do not like them. I actually more don't like the way they're animated. So I, is your not liking this arc really just because you dislike the second theme song the most? No, because when I watched it on Cartoon Network, they did not have the theme songs. Oh, well, never mind. They then. actually had a 30-second version of the first theme, which was strange. And I actually like the second opening. I just like it least. So we cut to the opening. You get the shots of characters being characters. <laughs> this is our only second our second episode with it, but there's not much to say about it. Yeah, I already feel like I know it so well because it reuses a lot of elements from the first one. It does reuse a lot of animation. Animation's not cheap. That is true. If you're going to have a new shot, it needs to be of a cool silhouette Gundam or of Flay looking suspiciously at Kira and Kigali. Or of Kira looking up Lacus's skirt. <laughs> <laughs> it had to happen, you know. I mean, the Archangel coming out of the ocean is a nice shot. It is, although the more I watch it, the more awkwardly CG the ocean looks to me. Oh, yeah. I, I think when I first saw it, I thought it was supposed to be clouds. That's my big problem with the Bakus, is how CG they look. It's like Zoids? Yeah. I remember thinking that show was awesome when I was a kid. I like Zoids, but I don't need my Zoids and my Gundams to touch. It's actually kind of weird, because re-watching, or watching the new Berserk, it's oddly animated to me. Once we're back from the opening, we cut to Moo and uh, Murdoch trying to get the Skygrasper ready. Moo yawns because he's sleepy because he's been at this a while, and he's like, well, I'm not going to be able to figure out anything more until I fly it. Huh. You know, those really remind me of a bigger, heavier version of an F-15. They remind me of bigger, heavier versions of core boosters, but... Which I think is what they're supposed to be, right? But they look a lot more like real planes than the core booster. Uh, Mirielia and Tal are getting ready for night shift. Mirielia scolds him for... Not like, putting on his uniform, right? Because Natara will probably drill th- holes through them for that, <laughs> literally. And they see Sai trying to get Flay's attention while she's in her bed and it's closed. Or in her room, anyway. And Sai's like, hey, we need to talk about that whole you're dumping me thing. It's super important. It always works when the guy goes back to the girl and like, we need to talk about this, right? Although, obviously, she's not even in her room, so... So then uh, Tall and Mirielia kind of gossip about it on the way to the bridge, which I like. Uh, Tall is like, yeah, Kira had a crush on her, you know. And also maybe Flay's a sociopath. She seems, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I hope this doesn't turn out mega awkward for everybody. That would be bad on a military ship. I actually do like how like Tall and Miri are the like only good couple in the series or like healthy couple, I guess. Yeah. They make a nice contrast. They, like, talk to each other about stuff and hang out together. It's weird. Uh, then we see some fan service shots of Maru in bed clutching some tags. The black hole ventilation system? Y- you know, just... That, I hope that's a brand name. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're actually venting black holes behind them. So they basically explain that M-Jammers lurk like Minofsky particles and make radar no good because that makes battles more dramatic. Just a little bit of techno babble to explain the questions that people are going to have if they know anything about military tactics or technology. Yeah, why doesn't X work? Because plot device. I mean, really, they could probably justify that for everyone going around swinging swords at each other. That's why lock-on weapons typically don't work in Gundam. It's actually a very similar idea to why uh, battle mech weapons have such crappy range in Mech Warrior. Because too much radiation? Nah. Well, in theirs, it's because they blew up all of their advanced technology to the extent where they can't really make it. And, you know, electronic warfare has grown to the point where you can't really make a whole lot out of it. So, so Nataro shows up on the bridge and hands their... Uh, na- or uh, helmsman? Nav- yeah, helmsman. the helmsman. That's, that's what he's... A bottle of water who proceeds to let it go 
like he was before to let it hover. I near really him. like that as a touch because a lot of times in space we would let let see them like hanging water bottles like in the air near them, and he tries to do it and he clanks to the ground and she scolds him for remember gravity, dumbass. <laughs> I always like effects like that, like little little things that make perfect sense. Like yeah, I could I could totally see somebody doing that because it's just muscle memory, right? Unlike a gravity in Gundam, yes, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, it's better than time travel in Power Rangers. Where there are multiple cases where they get sent back in time so they become kids again, but they have all their memories from the future. Well, it's you like know. that one X-Men arc where they just send their consciousnesses back. It just occurred to me, they, they don't seem to have cup holders. <laughs> they are a military ship. So? Yeah, I mean, food on the bridge is probably discouraged, generally. Well, food, but like water? Like that? I mean, where is he going to put it? The giant hamster feeder. Yeah, so if you haven't actually been watching the show with us, there was actually a giant hamster feeder installed right above the captain's chair. Um, that's for, but could, that's not for the helmsman. Well, that's I mean, for the can, captain. It can swivel, though. I mean, it's, it's not it's long enough to give it to the military vessel. <laughs> there's going to be somebody who believes you. You know yeah, that, there, right? Yeah, there's not actually a giant hamster feeder. <laughs> it would be amusing, though. It's, well, it's not on a bridge. It's in the giant hamster ball in the, in the hangar. Snarktar's like, what's up, yo? And the Helmsman's like, well, there are all sorts of crazy cave systems beneath us, so we could, they could collapse and we could sink. And Tal's like, oh man, but the ground we're on is safe, right? And the, the Tarl kind of breaking character just ominously drinks her water bottle, where she's normally <laughs> Captain Seriousness. Like, she, normally she'd be like, of course, dumbass, we're fine. We're not falling. But instead she's like, I will take this chance to be ominous. I don't get many. I mean, it, it would be better if it was, if it wasn't her. Because, like you said, she's the serious one, and not necessarily like, hey, dumbass, of course we're okay because we haven't sunk yet, but just the, I'm going to be ominous and not answer your question, like, sarcastically ignoring the person, that that's not really how she does it. I could see the helmsman doing that. I know he's got a name, but I can never remember it. Uh, neither can I, so don't worry. I know the whole bridge crew actually has a name, but other than the, like, kids they're the bridge crew and the captain i feel like some of the bridge crew never even gets introduced they're just like there no like the main ones you see have names yeah guy with the glasses and helmsman have names i think there's one more so guy I with strong jaw <laughs> so while they're goofing off suddenly they realize they've been locked onto and sound the red alert so we get some boob bouncy scenes of maru waking <laughs> up to run back to the captain's chair and moo casually complaining that he never gets sleep <laughs> I never like, does get sleep. People constantly attack the Archangel at night. So you'd think that he'd just start napping during the day. But no, he's always working during the day and then tries to go to bed at night. And then they're under attack, so he never gets any sleep. That's his secret. He's always tired. <laughs> also, I like uh, Maru looks really weird to me with her hair down for some reason. It doesn't even look like the same character model. Uh, she doesn't look that weird to me. She looks weird in that scene because she's determined. That never happens. It doesn't even look like Moo is trying to sleep, though. He's <laughs> yeah, just, like, right. in his chair drinking some water. <laughs> it's like he was waiting for it. It's like, yep, we're going to come under attack. How do you know? Because we're always under attack during the day. And Sad Sai is like, Flay, we'll have to continue this conversation later. And then we hard cut to Kira, who's freaking out. And then we get some, at first, subtle indications that Flay's in the room, like all of her clothes. <laughs> uh, before the more obvious one, we see her in his bed, completely naked, because, you know, that's... How she sleeps, I guess. I mean, clearly she's the dom in that relationship anyway. So. Oh, yeah. Kira can't dom anyone. That gets <laughs> that gets more and more obvious. I, I wanted to save this joke for when it happens, but there's literally a part where he's sleeping in a different bed from the girl he's clearly with, and she's carrying around the key to his giant robot. <laughs> <laughs> so Kira runs off to... Uh, protect the archangel and we see some creepy shots of flay with her hair in her eyes and she starts like crying but also super smirking and uh whoever animated flay or storyboarded her in this episode gets 1000 points because <laughs> she makes the episode and then she starts cackling evilly with her sheets tastefully covering her and uh if you don't think 14 year old mia didn't appreciate that uh you're wrong <laughs> maru got dressed in a hurry you know, it's the future. They probably just have like a Sims-style changing closet where they just hop in like a robot dresses them. Yeah, Kira has to get dressed. We saw him. She was getting dressed the same time Kira did. We saw Kira get dressed. So. Okay, so it's the world's slowest surprise attack. Well, they, I mean, they just got locked onto. They were like, okay, we're locking on. Well, they just got locked onto them. And they apparently had enough time frame in between them locking on and firing for her and Kira to both get dressed. You've seen how many guns the Archangel has, right? And how they're mostly for shooting down missiles? 
So anyway, we get the normal techno babble of a battle starting, but with the added caveat of, hey, we don't need end jammers on the planet. They're all over, which I appreciate. Uh, then we see Walfelt, who's just hanging out in a Jeep with DaCosta, telling DaCosta what to do. And then he tells everyone on the radio, hey, helicopters, I'm sure you can probably do something being helicopters. Attack. Uh, then we cut to the hangar of the Archangel, where poorly drawn Moo is frustrated because <laughs> they didn't load the ammo onto the Sky Grasper, so he can't yeah, go out I, and fight. I don't quite understand that, because they showed, they showed us earlier that Murdoch and Moo were working on them. Why weren't you loading it? Because you guys are clearly constantly under assault. Why is the ammunition not loaded on board the Skygrasper before you went to bed? Like, they wanted it to get it combat ready, and I feel like that's a necessary step, but... That's usually one of the most important steps, is load the guns. I'd argue with a plane, will it fly, is more important than load the guns, but I will agree, it's pretty high on the priority list. Well, I'm presuming that was what else they were doing, is they were like, okay, it'll it'll fly, and I think they actually mentioned that it'll fly, just... Moose says something about how he's not sure how it'll fly until he actually flies it. But before you go to bed, usually you'd make sure it's ready to go into combat with, like... Or maybe they Perhaps both... guns? Maybe they both left the room thinking the other would take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Murdoch's ground crew just was like, eh, screw the boss, we're going to bed. Also, we haven't an- been paid in a freaking month. Also, animation note, most of the animation is great. I've been calling out Flay. Every time Moo is on the like in the hangar, he looks awful. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's Seems up. Seems like with an that. odd oversight. Probably got automated by a B team. So Zaf sends combat helicopters. Those oh no! Are the weirdest looking <laughs> combat helicopters ever. They have no tail and like these weird underslung missile tubes. They're future helicopters. Anyway, the Archangel fires all the guns in all the directions and is fine. Uh, so Kira calls the bridge and is like, "Come on, tell me the launch. I need to go fight stuff." He he doesn't even like. He just says, "Where's the enemy? The strike is launching." Um, what, what do you mean? Like, we don't know where they are. How are you going to kill or shoot that anybody that when line, you don't though. know where they are? It's like, hurry, open the hatch. I'll go beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're at the point where you aren't beating people up. Kira, that kills people. <laughs> Kira, I just okay. cleaned that mobile suit. What I love is how meek, shy, you know, Kira just had sex and is suddenly super macho and masculine right. <laughs> and wants to go beat the crap out of him. That's what I love. So I mean, of course, he, yeah, he just got laid. He's got a, he's got a lot of. Masculine. I would say clearly he just lost his virginity, but that already happened years ago with Atherin. So. <laughs> No, no, they wanted to save each other for marriage. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it was a promise, Bertie. <laughs> Did Kira ever give Atherin anything? No. <laughs> a promise, Bertie. That's why it's so loud and annoying. It's remind <laughs> Kira of the promise he made years ago. <laughs> ah. So Natarl's like, hey, Kira's being uppity for some reason. Maru's like, well, he's being a dick, but also he's right. So I guess have him launch. He's... I was going to say he's actually acting like a soldier, but he's... He's not ignoring chain of command. He's yeah. acting like a soldier on the Archangel. <laughs> he's learned from the Tarl. He's, <laughs> like, he's acting like a main character. Be cautious of gravity. This is his first fight in a gravity I mean, environment. Act- well, that's not true. Uh, yeah, technically he was in okay, combat on the... On Heliopolis. But the majority of his combat experience has been off... I mean, then he was fighting planet. with knives. So. They, they actually load the... Um, Launcher. Launcher, not the ale in this particular one. They didn't want to get drunk. <laughs> well, also, you know, the ale's good thing is boosting, but it can't actually fly in Earth's gravity, really. So, also, they need to, like, be in a defensive position. So, anyway, the helicopters hide behind dunes whenever he's about to shoot them and frustrate him. Also, the sand makes the uh, Gundam sink because it turns out bipedal creatures don't do so well in sand dunes. Especially not really heavy ones. I actually kind of like the effect that this terrain is is having a clear effect on the combat. Because, like you said, a particularly heavy bipedal thing on a sand dune is going to start going down said sand dunes. I'd like to point out that them hiding behind sand dunes would do nothing to stop the buster or the beam rifle. It wouldn't right? do anything to stop it, but you can't really hit what you can't see. But eventually, he would just destroy all the sand dunes. It'd be glass. Yeah, but as we're going to see, the power is an issue. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot this on a battery pack. <laughs> uh, and I also, mean, he's just got a few double A's. Does it take like eight double A's? Like, <laughs> no, it takes Game four. Gear. It takes four <laughs> C batteries or four D batteries. Yeah, that's why they need. They can't recharge quickly. There aren't that many C batteries in the world. Uh, and also, the terrain gives the effect of making Andrew Waltfelt seem smart, even though he's not doing anything really. This entire episode, he's just being quirky, and he gets to theme quirky and effective. He does have a few lines to help out as well, but... Also coffee. Yes. And just being Rambaral helps. See, he knows all about the strike. He knows its designation and stuff. And he's like, ah, deploy the Bakus. Let's see what happens. And then we get the uh, eye catch. That's what that's called. The eye catch. I decided to add a bit of peppermint this time. It's my own special blend, and I make it different every time, so I can't guarantee the flavor. Anyway, I hope you appreciated that stupid joke. How are you guys enjoying the episode? This is a pretty good one. We get a lot of Waltfeld action, and we're going to get more of that until things happen to him. Oops. And also we get to see Kigali again, although I think as we discussed on the episode, I don't think she's been named yet. Although next episode is Kigali Returns, so we finally get the return of Kigali after Kigali's been on screen for a while. We also finally get some decent techno babble this episode. I am still just baffled by black hole generator slash suction devices. I'm still not really sure how that works, so if someone could take the time to explain that to me, that'd be fantastic. I don't understand how they're containing a black hole on their ship. On a different subject, what do you guys think of the Bakus? Zach and I really like them. And Jeremy thinks are pretty much the stupidest thing ever. So I'd like you guys to help us settle that debate. I don't know that we have any particular news this episode, but if you're listening to this now, Jumpstart Weekly just put out their episode on My Hero Academia, arguably the best anime on television right now, even though it's not on television right now. You should definitely go listen to that episode and maybe also just watch My Hero Academia because it's good stuff, guys. It's really good stuff. As usual, you can hit us up on Twitter at LTOV Gundam, or send us an email at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com, or go to LastPodcast.com and comment on an episode. Like all of our podcasts, this is a labor of love, and we're going to keep doing it pretty much regardless of anything, but we really enjoy hearing from you guys, so keep those random communications coming. I think with that, I'm going to let you guys get back to the episode and continue to watch the results of Flay's machinations. Ah. <sighs> Well, I mean, he's see, gotta, Athern's in the episode. Yeah, technically, because <laughs> he's got to do catch. experiments, you know, testing the effect of Bakus on Earth Force's mobile suits. So here come the Bakus, and uh, like I've mentioned, they're just Zoids, and I don't like them. So for for those of you who have never seen Zoids, they're basically like lion robots. Those are more wolves. Yeah, yeah, that is true. They're I quadrupeds. Mean, yeah, Zoids was a fighting robot show, but they're, all the robots were like quadrupedal animals. And as I've recently got into Gundam modeling, I kind of started to like the Baku again. I'm like, oh, it's something different. It's got kind of a cool shape. The blades on it are cool. But what I really don't like is they're all animated in CG, which a lot of vehicle animation at the time of this series was done in CGI. It's the same with the Justice League cartoon, and it's the only thing I don't like about it. But man, does it stand out, and I don't like it. Yeah, it stands out in a, uh, this is an obviously different animation style, and it's the only, like, it's jarring, right? Also, they don't have the cool things that Gundams have as mechs. They can't punch things. They can't, like, equip different weapons in their arms. They can't, they have can't swords. cross swords. I mean, they can have different weapons they cross on their back things, but like they can't said, they throw can't... their weapon for no reason and draw another one. No, I, I know. I'm, I'm, they they <laughs> lack the versatility that you'd expect. And they're mostly armed with rockets that they shoot from their back, which is kind of cool. I kind of wonder what the gliders are for, like, to help them jump further. They do use mobility by virtue of the fact that they're on four legs. They can make better use of uh, the sand terrain. Although, now that I'm I'm watching this, like, 15-second clip, man, this really seems like marketing right here. Did you say Baku? That's right, I did say Baku. Look, here's some specs on the Baku. 
are you sure it's a Baku? To be fair, <laughs> even Jeremy, who didn't like buying toys, was super into that because he's like into this nerd shit. He wants to know all about the specs of every mobile suit. That he, is true. He wants to know about the specs of the Earth Force's battleships that were sacrificed for the Archangel and their different names and classifications and what their roles are in the fleet. That's the kind of guy Jeremy is. I actually kind of <laughs> like that kind of thing, too. I, I like yeah. knowing specialist equipment. I suppose I do, too. It just really seems like ad placement to me, but... I never got that feeling. I can see what you're saying, but I never got that feeling. Gundam is a show for babies to sell them model kits. So Kira just starts firing his big gun, but can't hit because he's fighting roller lions in the desert. And the enemy pilots are super cocky, and they're like, yeah, we're awesome. Bakus are the best. We got rail guns. So then we cut to the bridge. Nataro is frustrated because nothing is working. He's like, fire the missiles at them. And like, we'll hit the strike. He's like, it's got PS armor. It'll be fine. It's missile proof. That's that's not a good justification for launching missiles at your own guy. Yeah, well, Nataro will do what Nataro will do. And the Bakus are just like, oh, time to not be here. Rakir's (laughs) like, ah, missiles. (laughs) God damn it. Stop shooting me. Their commander is a dick. (laughs) He does have the nice line, or or is it that they just trust the pilot? But it's Natarl, so... <laughs> <laughs> so we know the answer to that question. <laughs> Kira then pretends that he's in space. He does a cool jet boost jump and shoots at them from above, but still can't hit anything, because they fast. Yeah, so I don't know that it's necessarily the ground fighting that's the problem for him, so much as the desert fighting. I really feel like mobile suits are not well suited to deserts. And I think that's the most of the justification behind making the Baku at least from a storyline perspective. Or it was, we have this cool quadruped, where would it make sense to go? Hey, let's put it in the desert. Probably a little bit of both. Desert specialist mobile suits are like a long tradition in Gundam too. Sand rock, kind of. Desert Zaku's. Well, I mean, it it makes sense because the uh, sand dunes are particularly rough to go in. Like, it's it's hard to just bring normal stuff into the desert and fight in it. I mean, we we have problems with it normally. That is true. And Walt Felt brings that up and is like, yeah, well, it's a pretty cool mobile suit, but Bakus are going to tear up because we got terrain advantage. We got field advantage. It's Yu-Gi-Oh! all over again. We've got plus 200 attack and defense. So they're like, uh, Maru's like, we're screwing up. We can't do anything. Can LaFlaga take off? Nope. Meanwhile, the Baku pilots are like, you're jumping up in the air again? I would never fall for air jumping. But Kira's like, nah, time for techno babble, bro. And then he reprograms the OS so it can perfectly land on the desert with the right amount of pressure to not sink in. And Andrew Walfeld is like, what? Your trap card? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that it doesn't matter if you change the pressure. You're not going to change how much the thing weighs. Yeah, it's but- still going to sink. It might be able to give, like, some positive feedback in the opposite direction. So, yeah, it would probably still sink, but at least the legs would bend appropriately. Kira is really good at programming, and he takes a move out of the Shar Aznable School of Mobile Suit Combat and knees a Baku that's leaping at him. (laughs) (laughs) The the Shar kick is like his move, to the point where it becomes Camille's move, because Camille is trained by Shar, and that is my favorite thing about Zeta Gun. Uh, another Baku tries to jump him from behind, and it gets lasered in the face after it gets, again, Char move, elbowed. Because Kira has become a master of close quarters combat? I guess. I'm not really sure when that happened, but... He gets a cool shot of looking like a devil as he kills the guy by stepping on him and shooting him. Point yeah. blank with yeah, the wasn't massive Kira, like, energy super howitzer. remorseful about that and stuff? Yeah, but now he's had sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it changes a man. <laughs> Uh, he he does flip-flop on his I won't kill, I will kill like side of things for quite a while. It's just arbitrary. I'm going to kill this guy because I don't happen to know him. Well, that's how most people are. That's how soldiers are, though. They're kind of trained to be desensitized to it. No, I know. It's I- just, it's odd for him because he goes from that really, you know, kind of pacifistic nature to I'm going to murder this guy's face. Yeah, but the... Like, I'm joking when I say he's had sex now, but that is really the point. Flay is influencing now, and she wants him to kill everybody. And she's doing that by, you know, manipulating him physically. And I really like it as a way his character goes. He will, spoilers, change his mind later, but I like that too. Uh, And Walt Felt sees what's going on and suddenly gets serious when one of his men dies, but also realizes, hey, is that really a natural... He, uh, can I thought they already knew really that he just wasn't, reprogram but... a thing? Oh, uh, no, they specifically covered it up. Ah. Remember, because 
uh, Atherin's dad was like, war! We need to war! So let's not tell anybody war! <laughs> um, Andrew Walfold also orders his Lessips, the battleship that he has at his command, to open fire. Yeah. With its main gun. Land battleships are one of the few Gundam things I don't really like. But he's got one. They remind me of... I can't remember exactly what they're called. I feel but like they a come sand out of, crawler uh, from Star Wars would be great here. You've played Armored Core? They yeah. have these big, like, armored battleship type things. So the Archangel's like, oh no, a cannon is, come- is firing at us. We have to evade. Do uh, a barrel roll. <laughs> if it's a main, if it's a big ass cannon, you're not going to be able to lift off from a sitting position in time to dodge. Yeah, like a they didn't even have any of their engines on. We get some like boo bounce from Maru. We also get obviously an edited shot of Flay. It's edited in the original version. She's wearing her skirt. In the HD version, nope. Fourteen <laughs> year old Jeremy would have appreciated that too. <laughs> Uh, she's panicking a lot less than normal in battle. She kind of thinks like she doesn't know what's going on or where she is, but... She looks a little stunned. Or a little stoned, sorry. <laughs> yeah, she kind of did. Yeah, maybe, maybe she's just post-sex copacetic. Uh, perhaps. So Moo calls the bridge and is like, Hey, if the kid says I'm launching now, deal with it. I will too. I have no ammo, but I can go find the thing and like laser designate it. We have long-range cannons, right? That seems like a thing we should have. <laughs> Well, clearly, this spaceship has a land-bound howitzers. I mean, it's an all-terrain ship. And uh, Andrew Walfeldt is like, huh, time to add that to the report, because no one talked about them having a plane. I don't know why we'd expect to see a plane in space, but we didn't. <laughs> uh, so they fire another barrage, and uh, Kira goes Super Saiyan again in a scene I really, really like. Starts shooting uh, the ground with his uh, machine gun to create some sand cover. Punches a Baku in midair to get it out of the way. Again, Char move. Into incoming missiles. Yes, because he's awesome. Then turns and targets the projectiles in air and shoots them with his giant cannon. It's awesome. Into it. I would always take that feat that let me shoot projectiles down with my giant cannon. <laughs> and, yeah. And even uh, Waltfeld is like, oh, and even the crew of the Archangel is like, wow, that was really cool. While Meanwhile, Flay is like having an orgasm on <laughs> Kira's bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's into it. <laughs> I guess. She is, again, going full Cersei Lannister, like, yes, my plan, it's all working. I blew up the church and everyone's dead. Uh, that boy is totally going to protect us because he wants to have sex with me more. I'm a brilliant mastermind. <laughs> so now the uh, Baku pilots get a lot more serious and personal and cursing at Kira for killing all their friends, which I like as a subtle reinforcement of the series themes. But Kira is running out of power. And Walt Felt takes out his iPhone and is like, well, it should be out of batteries now, according <laughs> to our intel. So it's screwed. And I'm going to have to kill you because you killed my people. <laughs> also, the attack helicopters are back. <laughs> yeah, the attack I helicopters are like, we're back this. now. <laughs> we left, but we came back. They probably had to rearm their one missile tube. <laughs> they have four. There's, there's two on the inside of the wings and two on the outside of the wings. You know, more drama as they try to figure out what to do about the strike losing power. They could shoot it with missiles again, but that would drain all the battery. That's no good. Uh, when one of those helicopters gets shot by a missile from off screen. See, this is a good reason not to have radar. You can have the cavalry come over the hill. <laughs> uh, and a whole bunch of trucks with missile launchers come. I guess rocket warthogs. Hey, never underestimate a technical. That's that's basically what we've got here is like just like Jeremy said, jeeps with missile launchers on the back of them. And one of them is rided by Kigali. She's not even driving it. <laughs> yeah, she's just there. She's supervising. So uh, she shoots the strike with a communicator grappling hook <laughs> and is like, hey, if you don't want to die, do what I say. Meanwhile, they're still sitting there surrounded by things that outnumber them. My headcanon is they pulled back because suddenly there is a new force and they don't know how many are going to come. Uh, so they get name dropped. These are the Desert Dawn. They're <laughs> guys in trucks <laughs> that don't like Zaft. And they're like, hey, we sent you a map with our communicator grappling hook. Go to the Big Red X. <laughs> There's a trap there, but we promise it's not for you. And uh, we promise that they these guys are dumb enough <laughs> to follow you, and they're I, right. I love Kigali, like, angrily sitting in a truck with her arms crossed. <laughs> Weren't there uh, only three to begin with? Uh, no, there must have been at least four. There might have been five. And one of them got blown up by a missile. I'm not sure if that one, that one might have survived. I'm not sure. Destroying the strike is their main goal. And also we've seen these pilots are pretty angry now and not thinking clearly since their friend died. So I buy this. You'd think the Bakus could outrun the strike in some Jeeps, but well, <laughs> the strike has for, full jump deaths. For some reason now they're running like 
actual wolves like instead of using the um, the treads that the they treads that they were have. shown to be using earlier. It's an odd effect that they aren't using what's supposed to make them faster now. Kira mentions that he has no choice but to trust the people, that he has no idea who they are. Technically speaking, he does have a choice not to trust them. Yeah, I mean, it just results in his death, so... I honestly, at the time that he's having that thought, he could have just shot one of the Bakus with the giant cannon. It might have drained the battery, but one of them would be down. Or the two missiles that he hasn't used yet. He has missiles? Yeah, there's missiles in the little gun pod. Oh. I forgot about those. So we cut to a shot of glee on Kigali's face as she pushes a brig red button and there's some explosions. Kira uses the last of his jump jets to sort of fly away and then she pushes a bigger red button and sets off the nukes. <laughs> it's not really a nuke because nukes don't work, but I guess it was all of the TNT. Yes, exactly. All of the TNT. How much TNT are we going to need to destroy them? All the TNT. Uh, which works. Dead Bakus and I presume helicopters? Because obviously they were just hovering over the Bakus like idiots. They have well, clearly advantage. these guys are not the greatest of soldiers. And Ralph's like, well, uh, we're withdrawing. We uh, got all the data we needed. Mission that- complete. <laughs> <laughs> Inform the troops, you know, the ones who aren't dead. We won. On the bridge, they're like, oh, hey, a message from Commander LaFlaga. The enemy ship is the Lessips. And, and Maru's like, the Lessips? <laughs> and... Uh, Muriel's like, yeah, the Lessips. <laughs> I, well, the, one of the biggest things about that little thing is they say they get a message from Moo. And he says, have decided against attacking. <laughs> what is he what going to one? be attacking it with? Dive bomb. <laughs> He's going to laser target it. It's like, oh, nope, you shouldn't do it. I'm the only one who can target it. So you're out of luck. Maru goes, mentions that she knows that the Lessips belongs to Andrew Waltfeld. Who's the Desert Tiger. Because you got to have a cool nickname if you're a Gundam bad guy. Well, I mean, clearly. Well, although, I mean, does Maru ever get a nickname? Is she like... She's not a bad guy. Well, yeah, but she, well, she's a bad it's guy to Zaft. It's sad that Captain Bright doesn't get one. Like, the Gundam becomes the White Devil. To <laughs> Captain forces. Bright becomes Badass Bright. Yeah, so the problem is, Bright is already such an awesome name. Fair enough. He is Bright the Badass. <laughs> or Bright the Bamf. By the, by the time of Gundam Unicorn, Old Dad Bright, who wants to retire and can't. Possibly... <laughs> White bright. <laughs> Tyler, you know, we're famous enough to actually go to conventions and stuff. We'll be able to get people, give out tickets and pay and people have people pay us to hit you for that. <laughs> yeah, five dollars extra to punch Tyler for bad puns. The ending credits start to roll as Kira gets out of the Gundam and we see Kigali looking up at it with disdain. Yeah, sure, disdain. Kira's not. A, Kira doesn't actually get out of the Gundam in that particular no, thing. Just She's just staring there. up at it angrily. Because she has rage issues. Okay, so uh, there's another episode. One I really like. I mean, it's good action, even though I don't like Bakus. But I am a sucker for Gundams punching things and then shooting them. If you're going to have a man-shaped robot, yes, you should kick things first. <laughs> and I like that that sort of becomes Kira's move for a little while. I've always been partial to not quite as mobile suits mech work mech stuff like that because you know i'm a big battletech fan but it's always cool to see something like that i like that kind of combat how did you feel about the gun tank i actually never watched the first gundam yeah i know me neither technically so i mean i'm a big fan of battletech the marauder is my favorite mech i love the gun tank in video games where it's an artillery piece I'm not such a big fan of the gun tank in the show where it just flies wherever it needs to go (laughs) and then shoots things so that's the episode. Like I said, I like it. I, I love the Flay stuff. Even it in the actually, original, yeah. she's beautifully animated. It is really well done. So, Tyler, what's your high point? Honestly, I think probably Flay orgasming on the bed with the joy of her plans coming oh, to fruition. So good. I actually think I prefer the shot of her where you can't see her eyes and she's just manic. That is And her good hair one. is like super crazy. But yeah. Zach, what's your high point? Actually, I think I, if I had to pick one, I'd have to go with uh, Tall and Miriallia ta- discussing the Having a issues. remarkably sane discussion in yeah, the hallway. I mean, it's an instance of characterization that we haven't really gotten from those characters. We've gotten minor co- discussions and conversations of them, but we haven't had a discussion where they actually sound like they aren't just trying to exposit stuff toward the audience. And Sai has been the sane man on the ship thus far. We can see that's not going to work out in the long run, so we need some new ones. Um, I also like enemy commander's coffee mix. 
pretty good. I, point I right also there. really like Walt Feld as a yeah. character. He's he's one of my favorite characters. Sex and Rumble Wall. Yes, I actually watched the uh, first Rumble Wall episode to see how it compared. Sexy or unsexy Rumble Wall. Not quite the tactical genius, but he has that sweet guff. Vanilla Rumble Wall. Yeah. <laughs> Rumble Wall classic. I was gonna say decaf. Uh, <laughs> now Rumble Wall classic. My high point is Kira going Super Saiyan, sh- punching a Baku into a missile, and then shooting down some other missiles. That was pretty good. I like the breaking seed thing, although do they ever explain that? Ish. <laughs> He's going Super Saiyan. Yeah. You get a better explanation for that, but I don't know if there's a good one. There's also a subtle thing about it that I missed and is a cool character development thing, but I don't think anyone noticed. Uh, they so, also kind of bend their own rules when they start explaining it. It's weird. Also, at one point, someone gives a soliloquy to go into one, and that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, low points, Tyler. The repeated dialogue from the Baku pilots we don't care about. You don't care about uh, Andrew Waltfeld's goose? No, no, not really. And then they all die. Zach? I hadn't noticed it before, but uh, the animation on the Bakus is really awkward. Yeah, because like it's CGI. I said, the alteration, I, that doesn't bother me so much, because um, I have several that blend the two. I think the difference is they. there's one thing that's always clearly animated in that fashion, and one thing that's always animated the other way, so yeah. they do a much better job of blending it. But in that particular case, you have that, and the um, odd change to their mobility depending on plot reasons. Well, I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> It's an anime, of I course. Don't, I don't care for when things do that usually they at least hide it better yeah they could have like shot them with truck missiles well like maybe was slowing them down maybe they weren't trying to or maybe they were trying to not outpace the helicopters they're helicopters you're not going to outpace a chopper on the ground i mean you say that but future technology does not make your helicopters more shit but it does make your not helicopters less shit what's my low point going to be zach stole mine um, yes poor sigh yeah. Not even realizing Flay's not there. Poor Psy. Poor Psy. So does that mean just that Kira's got his own room now? Uh, yeah. I mean, Flay seemed to have her own room. They are way understaffed. Uh, well, although I guess she ma- was in a area that had at least four bunks. Kira was not in an area that had multiple bunks. I thought Flay used to share a room with, uh, Millie. Uh, no, she she didn't share a room with Mary Alley. They bathroom at one point. And okay. Kira does have at least one other bunk because there's one across from him where all of Flay's clothes are. Yeah, but does anyone else sleep there normally? Other more meaning like the normal crew quarters of the four stacked the others were in, and Sai was yelling at. Yeah, and he's an ensign now. Sai? No. Oh, Kira. Kira. They're all. That's right. Because, yeah, they refer to him as Ensign Yamato. Yeah, it took he, me. A he moment. does outrank like everybody on the ship except Nataro, Maru, and Mu. No, the, the helmsman is. is a petty an chief. No, he's an ensign. Oh, is he an ensign? Okay. So um, he's equal uh, rank. Nataral specifically calls him in, uh, an ensign when he drops the... Uh, you're right. You're right. The water. And gu- th- Glasses and Guy might also be an ensign. If I remember correctly, they all got promoted. So Yeah, for not dying. Well, the yeah, the admiral combat. promoted everybody. Nataral got promoted from ensign. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what rank is ensign? Because I feel like that's it's, a pretty low rank. It's, it's a commander rank. Or an officer rank, rather. I think it's it's the first officer rank. I'm trying to think of it's what it's a really really is. low officer so, rank. It's like I think I think the technical term would be an O one. So yeah, my, it is. My problem is that Wesley Crusher is an ensign for a while, and man, that's because most naval operators are, unless they have like a super simple job. But like if you're on the best ship in the fleet, which the Enterprise is, you're probably at least an ensign. Fair enough. Well, if you're a main character, you're probably at least an officer. All those guys that are running around in the background are probably just ratings. <laughs> they aren't actually officers. They're non-coms. Yeah, so, so they, the some, they might have some non-commissioned officers. Yeah, like, well, yeah, Petty Chief Murdoch. He's yeah, commissioned. I, I meant on the Enterprise. But oh. no, no, they probably have. They, they're going to have senior ratings and petty officers. Most of the people who are actually interacting on screen are going to be officers. What rank is Data? I, I think he, <laughs> I don't he, even he gets Star He gets Trek, promoted so a few I have times. no idea. Because in the movies, he's got his own ship at one point. Huh. But I think he's lieutenant. Oh, I also don't that. really know how Star Trek ranks work. Are they just naval ranks? One of the problems with Gundam is they're using Japanese military ranks, which are close enough to American ones to be confusing. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a wiki somewhere that lays this out. No, yeah, I know there's a, a couple different wikis that will tell you all about the Earth Force's military structure. I've read them. Um... <laughs> So yeah, this one, good episode, even though, like I said, I don't really like this arc. Really sets up Flay and what her deal's gonna be. Yeah, I see Kira being a bit more aggressive, and 
doing cool stuff. A after bit his, more? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just let me punch things. Kira <laughs> <laughs> smash. Wait, Kira Yama bro. <laughs> mm, he wouldn't fit. <laughs> he might if he got like a mini no, gun. He's so bad at guns. Yes. There are multiple times people will say, you know you can shoot those, right? If he actually <laughs> fired in that game, he'd pr- his, uh, his special effect would probably be shoot teammate. I don't think he ever does that. No, I was no that's just how bad like, he is. A mini Gundam. And nah, nah. Kira would kill one guy and then agonize over it. <laughs> True. Maybe he's just a one, like he just comes down, <laughs> fires a rifle, and he's like, oh, what have I done? And then you immediately lose that life. <laughs> Fall back to Indiana Brones. Dirty Mo- Brewery. Mula Broa. <laughs> Bro La Flaga. Yeah. All right. So uh, join us next time when we'll watch episode 17, Kigali Returns. That's an odd title since you didn't get her name yeah, before this. Like- <laughs> Kigali Returns. Who the Ooh. hell is that? I think the narrator talks about her. <laughs> no, I don't think the narrator gives her, but I don't think the narrator gives her her name. Maybe not. It's going to be better than Batman Returns. I promise you that. Fewer bat nipples? Uh, there are no bat nipples in Batman Returns. Fewer, is it Riddlers? No. Jokers? Iceman? R- Mr. Freeze. Maxwell Shrek is actually the villain of Batman uh, Returns, played who? by uh, Sh- Christopher Walken. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he manipulates the penguin. And uh-huh. Catwoman. And he has the best line of all time, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up as Batman? So- <laughs> Also, his son in that movie, the actor, is just doing a Christopher Walken impression <laughs> the entire time, which is amazing. And that movie does end with rocket penguins. And yet, somehow, it's still the worst live-action Batman movie that doesn't have racism in it. Are you sure about that? Yes, I'm sure. It's so boring, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, how is this movie so boring? It's got Christopher Walken and rocket penguins. <laughs> Batman v Superman? <sighs> it's hard call. It really is. I don't call that a Batman movie, but that's not really a fair assessment. That's splitting hairs. It's more a Superman movie. I to would be fair. rather watch Batman v Superman. No, it's not. Superman has twenty lines in the three goddamn hour movie. There's also like a twenty second shot of an artillery shell at Superman's funeral that goes on for so goddamn long. It's like, why movie has been on so long? Why are you lingering on this artillery shell? Let me press X to pay respects. You know who <laughs> You know who should have gone to go grab the Kryptonite spear? Literally anyone but <laughs> yes, Superman. Anyone else. We already went over that yeah, on our other on our other podcast like a month or two ago. The movie's bad, guys. By the time uh, this comes out, my month or two ago is going to be so old. But, like, the Lucha Underground season finale was a really long time ago, too. So, season three might be starting. I hope it's cool. I hope Pentagon Dark wrestles Prince Puma. <laughs> I don't know who he would feud with next. I thought you were going to say fuse with. I'm like, ah, oh. oh, man, fusion. They, no, they teamed up against uh, Mil Muertes at the start of the season, but they couldn't work together, and Mil Muertes pinned both of them at the same time. That's honestly impressive. I mean, he is an undead zombie that's stronger every time you kill him. Uh, he uh. was caught by a uh, wild game hunter wrestler <laughs> and taxidermied <laughs> and stuffed in his room. But then he broke out because he's a zombie and demanded a death match with the hunter wrestler. It was great. <laughs> I love that. Every, like, it's a Pokemon world, but the Pokemon is he's wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> it, that's not even mentioning the nunchuck match. <laughs> Which was the best. So, uh, yeah, next time we will see Kigali wrestle Kira. It'll be great. Yeah, wrestle. <laughs> I just imagined her in, like, a peacock mask. It was fantastic. Bye. <laughs>
But I guess it can't be helped. Uh, uh, it's also nice. 